to see all of you. Let's pray together as we come to hear God's word. Lord, you've brought us here. We've gathered in the name of Jesus, not in our own name, not for our own reasons. You've brought us here, each one of us. You have something particular that you want to do, Lord, in each life. And so have your way with us. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Break through, as we've been singing, Lord, break through. Break through, as only you can do. We need you. We need you desperately. And so we look to you, our eyes fixed on you. Lord Jesus, you are our hope. And we pray this in your holy name. This is the second in a series of Lenten sermons on the death and resurrection of Lazarus. We're going to be spending five Sundays during Lent in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verse 1, through chapter 12, verse 11. And we're just going to be walking with Jesus right into the death and the resurrection of Lazarus. And we're going to be seeing the various responses that people had to that, uh, including our own, I think, as we go along. So last Sunday, I began by telling you that Jesus loves you too much to fulfill your expectations for your life. His dreams for you and for our world are far, far greater than we had ever imagined. And they're all about the glory of God. And they're all about the glory of God, particularly in our losses. In our losses, in our grief, in our pain, in our brokenness. And so the question that we're going to encounter today in our text in the Gospel of John is this. Do you believe that? Jesus is going to not only, I believe, break through, but he's going to break in. He's going to break into our thoughts, into our beliefs, And he's going to confront us with a question. And he's going to say, do you believe? Do you really believe that Jesus Christ can create hope? Especially where hope has died, when everything seems to be just too late for that. So we're in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. And the title of the message today is Beyond What You Believe. That may seem like a strange title, but that's exactly where Jesus will take us, beyond what we believe. John 11, beginning with verse 17, and there there is an outline of the message on the back of the bulletin. This is the word of God. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me 
will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? beyond what you believe. We meet Mary, Martha, and Lazarus in our text, and they're not the average characters we meet in the Gospels. This family, as we mentioned last week, has a very special relationship with Jesus. It's different even from that relationship he has with his disciples. They are his friends, They are his close friends. And as our text told us last week, Jesus loved this family. Verse 5 tells us, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister, that's Mary, and Lazarus. He loved this family. Now, Lazarus we don't know too much about. Most of the time when the Bible speaks about Lazarus, he's either with the guys, or he's sick, or he's dead, or he's very surprised to be back alive again. But we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves there. Martha, Martha we know all too well. She's the Presbyterian in the family. Martha is a take-charge, task-oriented, got-it-together, hard worker. Sometimes she works so hard that she forgets to be gracious and loving. And as we see in this passage... Martha really knows her theology. She knows what she believes. Then there's Mary, her sister. Mary is the grown adult daughter that you still worry about. She's not the practical one, but the one who was an art major in college. She's the one who's always giving her money away to save the seals or the whales, but never seems to have quite enough for herself. She's smart but not very careful. Mary can make you laugh and cry like nobody else. Now again, Jesus loved all three of these individuals. They were his good friends, and he loved being with them in their home. This was a family that was always hospitable toward Jesus, and their love often refreshed him. When many doors began to close to Jesus Christ, their door was always open to him. So our passage today begins in verse 17 with these words. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So 
Jesus does show up, but he shows up late, really late, way too late. And as a result, Lazarus, his good friend, is already dead. We could call Lazarus the name of our hope. It could be the name of our dream. It was the one thing that we believed Jesus loved as much as we did. Lazarus could be a dream we had for our life, for our marriage, for our family, for our job, for our church, for our city. It could be our commitment to justice in our society and in the world. Lazarus could be a view of the world that has been shaped by the gospel of Jesus Christ. For Christians, the followers and friends of Jesus, these are not just personal values. These are things we believe Jesus values, things he really cares about. We don't expect God to give us everything we want, but remember, Jesus loved Lazarus. So we do expect Jesus to save and enliven his own dreams for those he loves. And so this means that when Lazarus dies, either in your life or your marriage or your family or something here in Philadelphia or maybe in a faraway broken place that really matters to you, and all because the Savior was late showing up, you're not simply disappointed. You are, but it's more than that. You are in a crisis of faith. That is what it means to lose Lazarus. That's where Mary and Martha are. They have lost Lazarus. And they knew that Jesus loved him. They loved him, and they knew that he was on the heart of Jesus as well. And they don't get it. When Lazarus dies, you've not just lost something close to your heart, you've lost something you thought was close to God's heart. And then the hard question comes, can you still believe in Jesus? Can you still believe even after Lazarus is dead? When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, he's finally arriving, She left Mary at home and ran down the road to meet him. Lord, she says, if you had been here, can you hear it? Can you hear her tone? Can you hear her? If you had been here, Lord, my brother would not have died. And Jesus replies, Martha, your brother will rise again. And she says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Fascinating. Four days into her grief, Jesus finally shows up and Martha starts talking theology with him. It is as if she is struggling to remember what she knows. You see this all the time. When we get a call to come to the hospital or to the home, come quickly. She's failing. Come quickly. He's about to die. Very often the family will talk similarly to the way that Martha does. They may not yet be ready to explore the depths of their own broken hearts. So they stay in their heads and talk theology. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. 
That's okay. Jesus will meet you right there as he does with Martha. He loves her and he meets her where she is. Often the family just wants to remind me to remind them of what they already know, what they already believe, what they have heard and rehearsed in church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. As Martha returns to rehearse one of these great faith statements, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus interrupts her. We were talking in Sunday school this morning, which I found interesting about whether Jesus was rude. (laughs) He interrupts her. (laughs) He interrupts her. And what does he say to her? She says, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus interrupts her to say, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? You who for years and years have sat through sermon after sermon, you who can recite the Lord's Prayer and the 23rd Psalm from memory, and maybe even the Apostles' Creed, you who know so much about the Christian faith, Hear this, there comes a time when Jesus will interrupt you to ask, do you believe this? Do you believe this? To be clear, Jesus is not asking, what do you believe, but rather, in whom do you believe? I am the resurrection and the life, he says. Do you believe this? That is what makes all the difference when Lazarus dies. When you're in crisis, it doesn't matter so much what you know. What you know isn't going to help you after your Lazarus is dead. When you are in crisis, whether you survive it or not, all depends on who you know. Who you know, not what you know. Jesus is not a what. He is a who. He is not a doctrine. He is not a teacher of doctrine or politics or spiritual insight. He's certainly not just a ticket for getting into heaven. Jesus cannot and will not be reduced to a what. And yet we try to do that all the time. Jesus Christ is the living Son of God. Jesus Christ is the one and only Savior. Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord who alone can give life to the living and to the dead. That's who he is. You know, every Sunday is a little Easter when we remember that Jesus has already defeated the worst of our enemies, the strongest of our enemies, even death. 
We remember that Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he intercedes for us. On our behalf, as our great high priest, our elder brother who loves us, through the Holy Spirit, he's continuing his saving work on earth and in our lives. And sometimes, maybe you've had this experience, I have, sometimes in the midst of our worship where we are renewing ourselves in our great beliefs about Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will interrupt us to ask, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you really believe in Jesus Christ? who is the resurrection and the life? Do you really believe that if a tomb could not hold him, then there's no telling where he will show up again and what he will do? This also means that in Christ, if you are united to Jesus Christ in his work, his righteousness, his sacrifice for sin, if you are in Christ through faith, That means that the tombs of loss and grief cannot hold you either. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Martha said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Before Lazarus dies, you may have some belief about that, But you will never know if you really believe in Jesus until your Lazarus is dead. That something that was so close to your heart and you were so sure it was close to the heart of God, and Lazarus dies. That's when your belief really matters. And that's when Jesus will come to take you beyond what you believe. When her sister Mary gets to Jesus... Isn't it interesting? She says the exact same thing as Martha, using the exact same words as Martha, about how Lazarus would be fine if only Jesus had not delayed. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The the two sisters had obviously been talking about this over the past four days, commiserating and, dare we say, complaining about this a lot during the four days since their brother Lazarus died. If only, says Mary. If only, says Martha. But Mary's grief gets worked out not through her theology, but through her broken heart. And that's good too. Jesus meets her right there where she is with her broken heart. He loves her. She falls down at Jesus' feet. And she's weeping and weeping. She can't stop crying. It's as if her tears are these silently falling prayers fed by her deep emotions of grief and pain and loss. And verse 33 tells us that Jesus seeing this, seeing Mary weeping, and seeing her friends who had come to the house and were were mourning with her, that they were weeping too. It says in verse 33, Jesus was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And then in verse 35, Jesus begins 
to weep. Jesus wept. He couldn't hold back the tears. He couldn't stop crying either. And I feel that this is one of the most hope-filled images of Jesus we have in the Bible. Because in the face of death, this terrible, strong enemy, which will beat every one of us one day, Jesus does not maintain his objectivity. He does not maintain a professional composure. The the, the pathos of, of how it is, how broken it is, it gets to him. And he starts to cry. Jesus wept. Do you realize the power behind those tears? Jesus, who is God in the flesh, is weeping. This means that God is moved by what moves you. God is troubled by what troubles you. God weeps over the things that you weep over as well. He's deeply moved and troubled, even to tears over the brokenness of the world and particularly the brokenness of his friends. And he weeps not just for the pathos of how it is. He, he, he weeps also because, like Mary and Martha and all who experience despair, we settle so easily into our grief and make it familiar. But here we see, here we see in this text that this is a God who has joined his tears with ours. And the tears of all those we can see, as well as the tears of all those who weep in secret. Jesus wept. And his tears join all the tears of a generation of, of AIDS and Ebola orphans in Africa. All the tears of families torn apart by violence in Philadelphia. All the tears of those who grieve the dead slaughtered by terrorists. As well as all the tears of those whose loved ones have died, some too soon and some in too much pain. Once we see that God himself is moved with compassion, oh man, then the world becomes a very unpredictable place. We have it all neat and packaged, and Jesus just, he makes it all very unpredictable, but in a good way, in a good way. For who knows what can happen when the incarnation of God weeps? Who can say? He came from a perfect heaven to a broken, messed up world, to broken, messed up, sinful people, And he did that for you. He weeps over you. So deep is his love. Can your theology weep? Can your politics weep? Can your work ethic or your plans for success or the things you're building for your life, can these weep for you? No, they cannot. Only a person can weep. But this is no ordinary person who weeps. This is the resurrection and the life who weeps. He weeps with you. He weeps for you. His heart is broken over what breaks you. His love pours out in tears over all that breaks you in this fallen world and and in your own sinful, wandering heart. 
wherever Lazarus dies, wherever sin and death touch the ones he loves, Jesus weeps. So I ask you today, what has died in you? What has died around you? What has died that was close to your heart and you thought it was close to the heart of God and it died? That person, that dream, that hope. Do you believe? Do you really believe that Jesus weeps with compassion over you and over the circumstances that have brought death and loss to you? Who knows what can happen when Jesus weeps? Amen? Who knows what can happen when Jesus weeps? And we will see next week what can happen when Jesus weeps. When Jesus moves in compassion and power. Who knows what can happen when Jesus weeps? I know that at the very least our dead hopes can come back to life. Jesus can carry you beyond what you believe. Beyond what you dare to believe. And Jesus can bring you back from death. Back from what is dead to you. Back from what is dead within you. Yes. Yes. Jesus can bring you back from death to new life. That's what he does. That's what he does. It could not be more clear as he interrupts Martha, as he speaks to you and me, as he interrupts us, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Don't you see there's nothing that can be stronger than Jesus? Nothing. I am the resurrection and the life, says Jesus. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Amen. As we come to the Lord's table today, we're just, you know, we're, we're reminded.